The Sports Career Podcast, episode 258. How can a growth mindset develop professional football players? Hello Sports Achiever and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the football industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career as a professional football player. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Mark Roberts. Mark is an ex-professional football player and the founder of Lead Grow Pro, where he specialises in now working with individuals, teams and organisations to develop their leadership skills, stimulate their personal growth through the application of having a professional mindset. For that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Mark as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode, Mark will share his football career journey and explain the benefits of having a growth mindset as a professional footballer. Mark, it's a joy to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Good morning, Ed, and, and delighted to be on, on the show. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Um, yeah, basically, my, my journey through sports started at a very young age, um, like this stereotypical footballer really started as as soon as I was able to to kick the ball in the back garden with my dad and um he was a Manchester United fan took me down to the Stretford end and, and I stood on the Stretford end so showing me age a bit here um but six seven years old I just fell in love with the game and um I knew it was what I wanted to do and and what I wanted to become so began very early playing playing local uh local sport local from a local team got picked up um by in, into the academy system and then was at Manchester United as a as a 10 year old so thought that the dream was going to come true um got rejected at 11 years old so had to sort of learn the value of resilience at a very young age um but it was probably the best thing on reflection that ever happened to me so I went to uh to Crew Alexander there and worked all the way through the the youth system before making my professional debut at um, 20 um, in the championship and then quite quickly suffered a career-threatening injury, did my ACL, having only played five or six games in the championship. So I'd achieved sort of the, the proverbial dream in terms of becoming a professional, making my professional debut, but then it was a, a really long, hard struggle to, to fight my way back. So came fit again, but never played in the championship again. But then it was when I really did realise the value of personal development because I turned to study whilst I was during that recovery phase. And although I didn't play for crew again, I know that the foundations that are laid for me as an individual propelled me to play for the next 15 years as a professional footballer. It's been a roller coaster. It's been up and down. And, and of course, there's been some incredible highs and some unbearable lows, but I'm still playing as a semi-professional now at 37 and, and 20 years as a as a footballer, both semi-professional and, and professional. So 
30 years on from when when I began and, and still love the game as much as I did then. And um, I play for my local team now, although it's at non-league level, it's it's reignited a passion that I thought I'd lost as a professional, if I'm going to be honest, towards the, the back end of my career when I had a few difficulties with the, the clubs that I played for. But that is football, that is professional sport. And, um, you know, I, st- I still love the game as much as I did when I was a child. Mark, what a wonderful first reply. And I say wonderful because it's authentic. You know, sometimes um, when we look at the football industry, we just see the big, you know, the big stars like the Messi deal, for example, like, is, you know, which has just hit the, the headlines. But even yourself, you know, every footballer has those ups and downs. But one thing I want to touch on to when you were that 11-year-old with the rejection of Manchester United, would you, I know it's a long time ago, but... You know, that to be rejected at such a young age, could you just explain that experience? Because I assume there's probably a lot of youth players at academies aren't ready for that at such a young age, if that makes sense. Um, and it still happens now. So can we t- just touch on that, like that experience and how you dealt with it and maybe your family from a support system as well? Um, yeah, because it, it, it's funny because obviously I'd, I'd, I'd watched Manchester United. They were the team that I wanted to play for. I remember watching Brian Robson and thinking I didn't want to just play for Manchester United I wanted to be the captain of Manchester United and I was I think I was very um, aware as a a young boy that I was looking at the crowd around me and I saw the respect that he had as an individual on the field not just from the supporters but his teammates his opponents and I thought I want that to be me you know I want to lift the FA Cup and and be that captain for Manchester United so although I was captaining the teams that I played for at a young age nine ten years old when I went into the academy system I realized just how competitive you know, the, the standard was. And I'd gone from being nine years old, being scouted by Nobby Styles, and he used to come and watch me play. And I didn't need to be introduced to him because obviously I knew he was a World Cup winner, Manchester United legend, but he used to come and watch me at grassroots level and basically beg me and my dad for me to come and sign for Manchester United. So um, I guess I was introduced into that world where I was the best player in my local area. I was scoring 90 goals a season. And if I, I guess if I wasn't grounded by my parents, I, I would have perhaps got carried away with that. But I realised when I went into the, the academy system, trained at the cliff, suddenly there was 50 boys there and the standard was incredibly high. And Nobby Styles left during that first season. Paul McGuinness came in and they had sort of a revamp of the, of the youth system and, and they had to cut the numbers down from 30, 40 lads down to 20. I remember going into the office with Paul McGuinness, um, 10 years old, opened the door, waiting for that sort of dreaded news. Was it going to be a yes or a no? And, and I'd, I'd kind of just missed the cut. And I was devastated. I remember being in floods of tears, not really wanting to go back into the car with my dad because I felt like I'd let him down. And he's always been a, a huge pillar of support for me. And, and he was just more concerned about me. But obviously, it's difficult to know what to say in that situation. And And as a as a 10 year old receiving that news, I, I know I'm going back into school the next day and I, I was already known as the footballer or the person that was talented and, and suddenly I'd failed. And that was difficult for me to manage. Um, kind of wanted to run away from the world for the, f- the first day or two. But once I dried those tears and I, and I realised that the dream was to become a Manchester United footballer, for now I had to park that dream but I still wanted to become a professional footballer. The dream hadn't changed. The dream was still there, but it had changed and it was up to me to reframe that. Now, 
at 27, I had the opportunity with Stevenage, the League Two playoff final was played at Old Trafford. We were 19th in League Two at the time when it was announced. The final was changed from Wembley to Old Trafford. We were struggling, but we went on an incredible run at the end of the season. And there was no way on this planet that I, as captain of Stevenage, was not going to finish my season at Old Trafford, the Theatre of Dreams, and lift the trophy. That became my reality. And we won. We beat Torquay in the final 1-0. Best day of my football career, bar none. Was there with my friends and family. Um, if you watch the video, there's a clip of me when I'm about to lift the trophy. I do take a moment. I'm crying very different tears there, but the tears of joy. Um, and I raised the trophy in the air and I made my dream come true. You know, I'm a captain at Old Trafford. And it just shows you that things can change. Um, opportunities come when you least expect it. But when they do, you've got to make the very most of it. And, um, you know, that was an unforgettable day that I'll remember for the rest of my life. I bet. What a wonderful story again. And I'm a Man United fan, by the way, so it makes even, <laughs> I makes still even am. easier. Don't worry, I still am. Oh, I good. I didn't, good, I good didn't uh, dismiss them completely. I hope the listeners enjoying this, particularly like parents, because I think, like, I know this is a sports career podcast, but I'm very mindful that, you know, you know, the athlete's journey does start at a young age, particularly when I've interviewed other footballers on the show. Just really quickly, though, looking back again, how has football, with that life lesson of rejection, supported you now? Um, it has, because obviously you, ex- you experience things at extreme levels. Because it's what you love and everyone else is able to share that joy with you um, and that passion that you have, you do feel things in extreme ways. Um, but even now, like I- I've gone into a different path or followed a different path than the sort of traditional route that, um, former athletes pursue after the career so I'm still <laughs> having to accept or deal with rejection in different ways and and I always feel or draw upon my experiences and think well you've done that Mark you've been there uh, you came through that you overcame that obstacle you did things that you weren't supposed to or people didn't believe you could um, but I always feel that if you've got that inner belief that you can take the lessons, the good and the bad. And, I, and I've learned more, Ed, through um, the, the difficulties I've faced and, and the failures I've had or the mistakes that I've made. Everybody makes mistakes. It doesn't matter if you're, you're me or Michael Jordan. Um, there's that famous quote where he says he fails and fails over again, the winning shot. And, and I, I try and take as much as I can from my failures, although they hurt at the time and although it's very painful, um, I still believe that you can they can use those experiences in a positive way. You said a great term earlier of reframing something. Could you just explain in detail what you mean there? Because that is it with regards to turning, I assume, adversity into new positive success. Could you just share that in what you mean with that term? Again, I think I think it's probably, I, I suppose it's my journey through academics, really. Um, education was always something that was instilled in me, was very important. It wasn't plan B. It was all part of plan A. And I wanted to be the best I could be at everything I did. Now, I wasn't the most talented footballer, but I also wasn't the most intelligent um, in the classroom. But I still wanted to achieve the very highest grades. And and I'd find a way and I'd I'd apply the skills that I was learning on the sports field in the classroom and vice versa. So by using that education and, and reframing some of the situations that I faced or have and continue to face, it's given me perspective. And I think what a lot of footballers do 
and perhaps other athletes, but I'm talking just really about my sport is, is use, and you used the word before hindsight, they, they reflect backwards and they think about, oh, I'd have done this then I'd have done that then. And that's why I always encourage the people that I work with now, but also myself to, to sort of reflect forwards, if that makes sense and, and try and process what I'm going through. I always wanted to know um the why what was happening why was that happening around me and, and I think I developed that skill at a very early age and yes it's self-awareness but it was through a process of reflection as I was going through those difficult moments and the good moments like why why did that work why did that not work um and I think you're constantly giving yourself that feedback as an athlete whether that's in the the technical sense on the field but also the physical and mental sense and I think if you can become more aware of those skills that you're developing it can certainly help you reframe any situation you're facing you said self-awareness is a skill could you just say a few others which helped you from uh, the sports field into the education or even the business world now just, could you just give a few examples just for the listeners to know those skills because we all say it though you know those skills but could you just go in a bit more detail on a few you said self-reflection that's a good one yeah and, it, and it's, a, it's a big one for me because a lot of people talk about transferable skills as athletes and there's, and there's no doubt people and individuals do have those transferable skills but until you apply them or know how to apply them it doesn't become transferable value and and this is a big one for me because you can't say I've, and I've seen quotes and um mottos on the on the buildings of walls where this requires zero um talent and you've got 10 things down not every athlete has that um i've i've got i've had a, had a manager once that had a great thing that there's no such thing as a, a bad professional footballer because some, somehow in some way they've got to where they've got to to the professional status the professional level they must have certain skills and not just technical skills but also the softer skills that we talk about and until you understand them and how powerful they are and how to apply them elsewhere, they become obsolete in my eyes. And, and unfortunately, I don't think certain individuals spend a long enough or are encouraged enough or supported in, in the right way to actually understand those skills. So for me, it would be discipline. I know that if I want to do something in my life, I'm going to get it done. I'll find a way somehow. If that means since I've become a father, I still need to go to the gym and want to go to the gym. I'll get up at half past five in the morning and do the workout before the kids wake up so I can have that balance in my life. So I, I don't miss out on what I feel I need as, a, as an athlete or as a person. But I also don't want to miss out as a father and spend breakfast with my kids. So I want to be back for that and enjoy that moment with them. And I think obviously that time management is something that you learn in sport. Sometimes I suppose we're told where to be and what to do and how to think um, almost as, as athletes. So learning when you sort of make that transition, that that might be up to you to organize or structure into your situation, um, I think is important. But clearly resilience, how you deal with um, adversity can stand you in good stead what what's been fascinating for me when i've when i've put myself in different situations and 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 looked at team and group dynamics in other environments so it might be for example on my mba cohort the similar dynamics are there and um, but until you put yourself in those situations you don't then necessarily understand or have an opportunity to go yeah i've been there before i've seen that in that dressing room or 
but it's so that's why I encourage athletes to get themselves out there and take themselves out of the comfort zone, put themselves in situations which they can then relate their sporting experiences to other situations and environments in order to gain and build that confidence that they can be a success in something else. Absolutely. And I'm going to give one discipline example from you. And you didn't know this till I reached out to you on Instagram was literally, guys, I've been following Mark. Well, we were connected on LinkedIn about a year ago. I couldn't believe this. And but then Mark was putting these running um, like screenshots of his running. He's like 10 Ks. Was it 10 K? Yeah, well, I started off 10K and then it sort of started getting longer. But he he just kept on weekly putting these running. I was not in a great fitness at the time. You know, due to the pandemic, we all have ups and downs. But Mark just consistently was putting these screenshots and going, I've got to start running again. And there was one he he hit forty under 45 minutes when you were 10Ks. Yeah. Something like that. You hit your pet and I'm like, and I saw like how proud he was of achieving. I went, right, I'm going to get running again. And I kid you not, it was Mark. And he didn't know this with his post who inspired me to get back running where I've had to put it on hold because my knees are not injured, just they need a good rest. But I was uh, did my 10K one hour, 25, and then eight weeks later, got under an hour. So what I'm saying is that discipline, what I learned from you, Mark, literally of every week, that accountability, we can always learn from each other, which we said before the call. But I admire your discipline on LinkedIn where you're posting yourself in like, that that accountability of your own health and like you talked about time management you fit it in around your family but literally guys i'm just saying when you connect with people online or network you can learn from each other just by the posts you share and i want to share this because honestly you were a bit surprised my instagram video but really it did it, it you know it really did change my behavior and this is a really important point when i mention about behavior particularly that transition when you went from the reality of going all right i've got to look at another avenue after career in football May I ask how you processed that and how you, you know, you, you said your education was always in plan A, but how do you transition plan A from the football pitch into plan A to your next step to your career? Just for other athletes listening in, this is always a huge thing internally, then more externally of that coping. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And I'd like to say thank you again for getting me back on the running field. So yeah, I'm going to give you the mic now. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's uh, great to hear that because it's an important point you make, Ed, because sometimes that difference and impact we make on people, and, and hopefully that's in a positive sense, you don't always, as the person putting it out there, get that feedback straight away. And sometimes in football and sport and many athletes, they're looking for that instant feedback and they get it from social media and they get it from obviously the managers and the coaches and they're telling you how well you played or how badly you played. But you get that instant feedback. And sometimes when you make that transition, and it's another thing that I've had to learn to manage, that you might not receive that message immediately. It might come six months down the line, it might come 12 months down the line. But what something like using a platform like LinkedIn has helped me understand is the value of networking and building those bridges and those planting those seeds. And it might take 12 months for that, that seed to flourish. Um, but if you're putting out the right things and you're doing it in an authentic way, you can't go wrong. Um, and I think sometimes again, athletes struggle with that because they want those instant results because that's what they've been used to. So managing your patience, very, very important. But if I, if I use running as an example, because I think it's been really important for me. And, and I suppose what I've done with that discipline 
is 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 almost like teach myself that I can experience the joy of what I've had in football in a different way. And I thought it was a very important thing for me when football was taken away uh, through the pandemic. Um, at my level, we had to stop playing, and it was stop start, and it was really affecting people from a motivational point of way because we just didn't know what was around the corner and we didn't know if we were going to be playing our last game if we were going to be playing in a month's time if we were going to be training this week not that week and it, it was really difficult so for me as an individual it was easier just to go right I'm 37 am I going to carry on am I going to stop here um I don't want to think about it. I'm going to think about something else and put my effort and energy into something that I can affect in a positive way. And that was running. Um, as strange as it might, might seem, I've run all my life, but it's up until this pandemic that it's actually become something very important to me from a mental as well as a physical um, point of view. And it's helped me stay connected with both people I do know and didn't know um, and we weren't able to see each other in a physical sense but we were able to connect with each other on a deeper level in a different way and what it's taught me is that you can experience those fantastic moments whether that's as an individual or, or with other people that I've experienced a lot in football and I'm, and I'm eternally grateful for that but I've taught myself to experience in another way and I can't play football forever I'll continue going as long as I can but I can find that joy, that um, that challenge in other areas of my life. And I used running as an example, but I think you can apply those um, principles in whatever you do. And, and I do something do similar with my reading. So I, I, I create myself accountability. I, I read every day. Um, I learn a lot through the books that I read. So I enjoy it first and foremost, but I challenge myself and read different things. And I take those lessons and think, well, how can that apply to my life and my experiences, but also the people that I help and the people that I work with so that it's not just my experiences from sport that I'm helping people with, but it's also, you know, other lessons in sport and how business can help fuel sport and, and, and again, vice versa. So I think if you can recognize that there's opportunities everywhere you look, it's just sometimes how you search for them. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about today's podcast topic, which is all about growth mindset, which does, does go really well. But I did read a blog post that you were involved in and you said, actually, the career transition in football or in any sport, people see it as an obstacle than a challenge. Could you just go in depth on that point? Because I think that's such a great phrase you shared. And I think it's a good way of reframing it. Well, that's that's the thing. And, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say that um, I've had all these answers to other people's problems all of my life because I'm still working them out myself and um, I, I know that as a younger professional I saw transition as quite a scary word um, it was the end of football the start of something new now I say it as a scary word I didn't see that as a scary thing because when I left school at 16 I was going to go and pursue the dream of becoming a professional footballer but I always knew however long that um, dream would last whether it was becoming a professional at sort of 19, whether it was leaving the game at 22, 23, whether it was getting to 37, like I have done, it was always going to be followed by something else. And I saw that as, as a really exciting opportunity to write, like make the most of what I can do while I can do it. But then you get to do other things as well. Like, so how good's that? <laughs> so you get to dream again, you know? Um, but with my work through the league football education and becoming a personal development mentor, um, which is my official title um, for my work with them. It's 
transition underpins a lot of the work that we do with the the young lads that we work with and transition is change transition is dealing and managing change it's happening all the time and almost 34 when I started with 34 35 when I started working with the LFA it was almost like a therapeutic for me because I was talking to these lads at the start of the journey about transition and becoming more aware of what transition meant and and how it can be applied and, and used both in sport and outside of it as well but I was going through at the end of my journey and I'm almost like feeling like I was that in put, put myself in their shoes that well we're going through transition all the time that might for a 16 17 year old it might be moving home from one end of the country to the other um which is people his age just won't be doing until they go to university so you're thinking what an incredible you know life experience that is someone moving up from London to the northwest and having to deal with all those challenges as well as trying to become a full-time footballer um you know transitions starts when you when you start the family when when you move clubs when when you don't get the contract when you do get the contract when you go up when you go down it's, it's happening all the time and particularly in sport, it will throw up circumstance when you least expect it. Um, but I, I, I say opportunity because a lot of the work we talk about, I think sometimes in sport can be negative. So what are the consequences of your actions? What are, what are the obstacles in your way? Well, let's try and look at it the other way and reframe it and say, well, what opportunities are there? Because you might just grow even more when those obstacles and consequences are happening than in the good times. And if you can learn in those bad times or those more difficult times or more challenging times, then just imagine how um, much you can unlock your potential in other ways. So that's kind of how I see it. Um, and hopefully by sharing it and spinning it in a positive way, um, it can impact other lives too. My goodness, I hope people are enjoying this conversation as much as I am. Just getting back to today's podcast, because it's actually been the whole theme, but Relating to one phrase you said earlier, like you've been on that journey now about personal development, how has sort of creating that growth mindset supported you without, you know, throughout the football career transition, even the period when you lost the love of football and now you back loving it? How is having this growth mindset? I know it's a phrase quite overused online, but from your experience, how has it helped you? And hopefully the listeners can take some pointers of how they can apply it to their lifestyle. Yeah, definitely, because obviously I've I've read the books and um, you know, it's a big part of the the work that I do and and the research towards my MBA, because I just wanted to try and encourage people to have that growth mindset. I try and look at it um like being a professional mindset and and again going through that transition from professional to semi-professional. I got to see that um I had to let go of that sort of title and that identity of being a professional footballer. Um because even though I never identified myself as a footballer, um, other people do. And, and again, that can be sometimes the biggest challenge of all. But going to be a semi-professional footballer, um, I realised that I was still a professional person and, and I was applying myself in a professional way. So my manager, again, he, he, um, at, at Warrington, he's been in the professional game and he says he expects us to have a professional attitude, mindset, approach to, to our work. You know, when we're here, we're professional. When we're away from you know, part-time football, you've still got to act in a professional way, you know, you've got to recover right, you've got to prepare yourself right. And and I realised that even things like the extra training that I do in between the, um, we, we train two nights a week, we play on a Saturday, even the extra training I do now, for me, mentally um, and physically, but probably I think more mentally, the day before a game, I'll always be on the grass um, because it's what I've done for 20 years. And, and I want to make sure that going to a Saturday, 
the last time that I've been on the grass with my football boots on isn't Thursday night. I like to be there Friday morning, do my, do my session. It won't be long, but it, do my session and make sure I'm, I'm at least prepared in the most professional way for me as an individual to perform at my best on a Saturday afternoon, because I think that's what the club deserves. I think that's what I owe myself. So that growth mindset, which is obviously seeing again, opportunity where other people might see obstacles, where other people might put um, barriers against the, their own development. I, I call that because I, I suppose work in sport, it doesn't matter how long you've played it, but if you can retain that professional mindset and that professional approach to whatever you do, you'll be a professional for as long as you, choose to be dig into this a little bit more just for like like so when you say professional way you talk about character you talk about attitude you, you talked about preparation as well but it, we talk about internal traits not being a professional just because of like one thing I was going to mention as well sometimes when we put a label on ourselves you know a founder a CEO we feel like we're we have that title of identity or being a professional footballer we feel that buzz like but really what you mean in a professional way is more internal traits positive traits i i think so and those are things that with with switch the player i work for they they talk about control the controllables i think those are the things that you can take in your control in sport like (laughs) the outcome is unknown you never know what's going to happen you can only as in a team game you can't control what's going to happen on a saturday afternoon you can influence it but you can't control what's going to happen and you've almost got to let go of that and yeah, the things that you can control from from your point of view is preparing right, uh, practicing correctly, and and making sure you're mentally and physically in the right frame of mind to to go and perform at your best. And um, you can take those traits in into whatever you do. Um, so yeah, if it means you know a, a, approaching the interview that you're gonna d- d- deliver, or you know, and getting up early and, and, and getting the workout done early if that's what you need to do before you go to work to make sure that you can then, you know, be fully present for the rest of the day. If it means in, in, in the way that you conduct yourself with your kids and things like that and making sure you've got the right energy levels, you know, sometimes that's a struggle. But, you know, ultimately it's the it's the mindset and the approach towards what you do that will ensure that you, you perform at your best as much as you can. Absolutely. Gosh, I hope people are enjoying this. Look, out of interest, Mark, could you share what you're currently up to now, particularly with regards to League Road Pro? Love to hear more about that and what inspired you to start this up? Yeah, so so League Road Pro is uh, the business that, that I founded um, when I graduated with my, my MBA at the, the back end of 2020. Really enjoyed that journey, uh, returning to academics um, and I guess challenging myself in a very, very different way. Um, but I guess with the the, the pandemic and, and football was taken away from me, um, I, I work as a, a self-employed person for, as I said before, league football education and switch to play. And it's it's predominantly in sport, um, which has been fantastic, really rewarding um, roles, both both working in football and, and beyond other sports, working with athletes at every age and stage of the development. Absolutely love what I do. Um, but I wanted to try and reach a larger audience. I've always been fascinated with the parallels of sport to business. Business helped me in sport find my competitive edge, particularly towards the sort of the back end of my career when I was trying to uh, find and redefine that competitive edge as a captain, as a leader. You know, I, I started to look beyond my sport, looked in other sports, looked into the business world. What can I learn from leaders? 
how can I implement that on a daily basis as a footballer and as a captain? <clears throat> and so taking those lessons from sport into business is something that, again, I really enjoy doing. But predominantly, Lee Grow Pro works in leadership development, personal growth, and, and applying that professional mindset that we spoke about. It's in sport, business, and education, because those are the three things or three pillars that have really um, supported my journey um, and, and will continue to do so. Like I say, I love working in sport, working with individuals, teams, but I also want to work with organizations too, because what I've found is when I've worked outside of sport, that there's, there's so much potential there and, and people that are sometimes, I wouldn't say more willing in, than in, in sport, but we, we've, we've got this idea that all, all athletes want to be the best that they can be. And it doesn't always happen like that. And, and when you go out of sport, you see um, there's loads of potential that is just waiting to, to be unlocked. And, and that really does um, excite me and, uh, you know, something hopefully that I'll be able to, to grow um, alongside the other things that I'm doing. Well, I can hear your enthusiasm in your voice and you're so spot on. We can always learn from the business world and the sports world. You know, again, it goes not transferable skills, but certainly transitional knowledge and experience through all our expertise and what we want to achieve. Out of interest, Mark, what have you enjoyed the most from your football career journey out of interest? I think undoubtedly sharing those moments with the people that have been there. I wouldn't say throughout the journey, but people have joined me on the journey. And that's, and, that, and that's the, I suppose, the beautiful thing about playing sport is that friends, family, um, you know, teammates that, that you, you accumulate along the way. Obviously, my parents have been there throughout that journey. But um, a quick example would be, and I suppose, again, going back to learning from adversity, I've, I've been very fortunate. I played at Wembley three times. Um, the first time I won, um, as a Stevenage player. Second time I was captain, we lost. We, we were favourites on the day, we lost. And I had to walk the Wembley steps as a losing captain. Again, tears in my eyes. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly crying on a football pitch. Um, but yeah, I, but I remember that day, Ed, and then I came down to the pitch and it was the end of a season. We'd won the league. We were supposed to do the double. The kind of season, although it had been an incredible history-making season, it did end in an anti-climax by losing the, the FA Trophy final. <clears throat> but I remember looking at their captain and, and I remember not wanting to, but forcing myself to, because I knew it was very important for me at that moment that I'd look to their captain, lift the trophy. And I promised myself that day that I would return to Wembley and walk those steps as a winning captain. Now, I had to change teams. Um, I had to wait five years, but I did it for Fleetwood. But... Going up those steps when we beat Burton in the League Two playoff final as captain of Fleetwood, I saw my mum, my nan, who's no longer with us, my wife-to-be um, on the steps on the way up to collect the trophy. Gave him a big hug, gave him a kiss. On the way down, I saw my dad, my sister, my father-in-law there, my niece, who was a good carrier in my hands at the time. She's a lot bigger now. Um, but saw my friends in the crowd. Uh, waving at them, shaking their hands and, you know, enjoy the celebrations on the pitch with my teammates. And for me, that encapsulates everything fantastic and the opportunity in sport that it was, the you know, an incredible high for me, a wonderful moment for me as an individual. But it meant it's just as much to me that I was sharing it with the people that mean the most to me. So that continues, you know, whether it's my kids coming to watch me play now, um, you know, fills me with incredible pride. Still sharing those car journeys with my dad from away games, um, 30 years on from when it began, exactly the same. 
um, very special. But I suppose what you learn as you gather that experience is just how much that you can actually be present in the moment and how grateful you are that, you know, you get to experience those moments. But, you know, that's sport and um, is why I think it's such a, a powerful thing, a beautiful thing and, and, and why it's, it can I know there's there's negative things that are said about sport and you know the dropout rate and everything, but if you can approach it, and you'll probably think, well, you've you've had some of those incredible experiences, so you're one of the lucky ones. I know how lucky I am. Um, I'm very aware of that, but there's opportunity there, and I think um, however long you're spending it, you can experience that in your own way too. My goodness, today you've just shared so many meaningful stories, and I think the key learning lesson, if you don't mind me saying, is I think when we look at, you know, social media or the headlines of, you know, news outlets, we get carried away of the big, big moments. But actually what I've enjoyed from this conversation, your best moments have been the small ones, like the car journeys with your dad. You know, of course, that big step from losing the final to then five years on winning that I hope people can learn those lessons from you, Mark. Seriously, I have just by listening to you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, you, you can the backdrop might be Wembley Stadium. And you think, well, of course, it's going to be the best day of your life, like, or Old Trafford, best day of your life, you know, big, biggest stadiums. But I know we, we won the um, the playoff final for, for Warrington in my first season up at South Shields. It was 2000 there. It was everything unbelievable about non-league. It was proper football. You know, it's incredible atmosphere. We went up there. We weren't, I suppose, favourites to win. We won. But I remember my dad being in, in and amongst the crowd in the, the away end. Um, and, and I remember giving him a hug and, and just burst into tears because the two years that had led up to that moment was being rejected um, by Cambridge. They wanted me out the door. It was difficult because I was, um, I'd moved away from and started a family. Um, we'd had twins and it was just a, a very complicated time in, you know, both of me and my, my wife's lives. We'd moved over to Forest Green. A manager didn't want me training with the first team. It forced me to train with the youth team. I, I was done with professional football and I, I didn't want to... F- I was trying to still be as professional as I could, but I was being treated in a way that I didn't feel I deserved. Performances were, you know, irrelevant. Um, I don't think anybody deserves to be treated in that way. Um, but it happened and I had to deal with it. And I remember... Um, being very low during those moments and and feeling that you know I just wanted to to escape what I'd given me so much in terms of playing um, professional for all those years now yeah I might not have been playing at my best but I was still trying to apply myself to the very best and um, and, it, and it was a very difficult time so going to non-league which again was a big big transition but then having that moment where you know we won the playoff final and, and sharing that um, with my dad again who again has been travelled all over the country, still does, and and just being there with him meant as much as Wembley and Old Trafford to me, um, and I'm sure it did to him. So uh, it doesn't always have to be the biggest venues. It doesn't have to, but it's just making sure that you enjoy it to the fullest when when those moments come, because you'll have worked hard for him, believe me. <laughs> well, absolutely, and I think hopefully the listeners in whatever sport they play, not just football, any sport, just enjoy the moment. I think that's what I've learned from you. Is like when I get back running again, just enjoy the ability just to do it and enjoy it. I think that's what I've learned from you, Mark, from your football career journey. But look, we're at a great stage where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. Out of interest for the listeners, what three qualities would you give to them with regards to working in the football industry from your experience? Yeah, I had to think about this one. So I've, I've, I've written them down here. I won't, I won't pretend I'm looking. But I'd say... Um, Learn as you go in order to grow. 
So whatever you're going through, and we spoke about it a lot, Ed, good, some good and bad, highs and lows, whatever you want to say, always try and learn something from those lessons because you can grow as an individual. Um, similar to the to the All Blacks one, um, in terms of sweeping the sheds, mine is don't forget to pick up the cones. So never to be too big to, to help out. You are, as an individual, always part of a team. So regardless of status or skill, don't forget to pick up those cones. And, and finally, really the, the sort of mantra for my business or the mission, the purpose, whatever you want to sort of wrap it up as help people find the best in themselves or best for themselves. I'm a big believer in guided discovery. Um, I think that I was spoken to or at a lot during football and the advice that I give support that I offer, I always try and look at it from the person I'm, I'm helping with perspective. I always try and understand their why most importantly. And that's usually listening first rather than speaking and, and just helping them find solutions for themselves because it's great when I can support individuals, teams, but I can't be with them forever. Um, just like the support with me has not been forever. You've got to kind of find your own way and what works for you. There is no one size fits all solution. Unfortunately, uh, there's no magic wand, but you can find those tools, techniques, tactics, whatever you want to call it, that can make a difference to you. So um, I think if you've understood that yourself, try and share that gift with other people as well. Wow. Love those tips. I hope listeners put them into practice because there's a few I'm going to be doing after this conversation. Mark, out of interest, how can people interact with you online? Yeah, so I'm, I'm currently building the website for, um, for my company, Lee Grow Pro. So hopefully that'll be going live in the next couple of weeks. But mainly uh, the social platform that has, I think, been most productive for me, as, as I suppose we, we've met as well, Ed, is, is LinkedIn. Uh, please follow me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm on Instagram as Lee Grow Pro now. Lee Grow Pro, sorry, at Lee Grow Pro. Uh, you can follow me on that. Um, but yeah, probably LinkedIn at the minute until the until the business launches. No worries to all the listeners listening in. All those links will be on my website with regards to the blog post and this podcast episode. Mark, it's been a joy speaking with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. You have a good day. What an interesting conversation with Mark. And for me, my biggest takeaway learning from Mark in this podcast chat is his authenticity. Like, without a doubt, being a professional athlete, not just football, but in any sport, it does come down to our mindset. And what I really enjoyed is that Mark's mindset has never changed with regards to being a professional in what he does. For me, that's the biggest takeaway. Just because he's not branded as a professional footballer doesn't stop him for having those professional standards in all areas of his life, which is applied to you and me, yes, you, the listener, that... You know, sometimes we rely on being labelled something with regards to our identity. And just because our identity shows that, we should be professional. So, as Mark said, when he had to figure out his next identity after professional football, doesn't mean he didn't apply those professional principles from football, which he's still playing, by the way, as a semi-professional footballer. But what I love, he just keeps those standards high. And without a doubt, it's something I'm even learning with regards to my own sports development with regards to the podcast and even my own personal self-development is always having those standards to my best ability and sticking at them. So for me, that was my biggest takeaway. And I hope you've got a better understanding that having a growth mindset whilst being an elite athlete is so helpful too, particularly with regards to that what next 
after professional sport. So look, I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast chat as much as I have. Apply those sports crit tips right at the end with regards to your personal growth in the sports industry and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Mark said, learn as you go in order to grow and focus on the path that works for you to succeed in what you want to do. 